This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. One man. Goodbye. Hello, Heisman. 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Guys, there are moments in sports history when you realize you've taken greatness for granted, right? The, the swing in summer of 1998, Dirk's iconic fadeaway, Tiger's fist pump, and now we're talking about Nick Saban no longer stalking the sidelines of college football. The greatest coach in college football history walking away, and we are here to honor the legend here tonight on the Three Tech Pod, a college football podcast at the intersection of the X's Nose and the Jimmies and the Joes, along with Trey Reeves, Garrett Turney. I'm Mitch Mason. Glad to have you along for the ride with us tonight. Also, a special shout out to the Transfer Portal CFB folks. Uh, we're sending our podcast over to them, kind of a rapid reaction, if you will, a little bit of a uh, an emergency podcast here on this Wednesday night as Nick Saban has reportedly retired, hung him up for good. And uh, guys, I, I'm I'm still a little bit in shock. I, I know someone who is in shock is one of the doctors at our practice. Uh, just started this week. Brand new, fresh doctor. Of course, he's an Alabama grad. And uh, we got done with one meeting. We're walking into another. And I looked up and I said, oh, Doc, Saban just retired. <laughs> It was a shocking ESPN notification to get, not not on my bingo card for January 10th, 2024, to be quite honest. We were out playing pickleball, and in between games, I look at my phone, and it's just blowing up with texts from you guys and ESPN alerts and just truly one of those where were you when that happened moments in college mm-hmm. football when something this, this uh, seismically shifting happens. Yeah. And for me, I mean, it was on my way out. I, I teach. So I was you know, talking with a couple of students that really enjoy college football. We were talking about the national championship game and everything else. And, you know, I said bye and they they got out of there. And as I'm packing up my stuff, I see the notification. And I'm like a couple minutes too late to have that conversation. I just stayed at school for probably another 30 minutes just chatting it up. So, uh-huh. uh, yeah, no, really crazy. Honestly, I mean, just one of the one of the craziest pieces of news and 
And also, uh, I saw this earlier in the day. This is also the first NFL playoff without Brady or Manning since 98. And so I'm just feeling extremely old at this moment. It kind of feels like a, a new moment of football, not just in college, but, you know, college in the NFL, kind of a new era. You know, everyone's retiring, everyone's done. And all these people we've been watching for, gosh, feels like forever now, you know, hanging it up. And we got we got some new people on top. Well, we certainly do. It's It's an interesting landscape of college football that we're walking into. Obviously, the ripple effects are going to be widespread, and that's part of what we're going to be talking about tonight. Uh, Trey, uh, given given your tagline there, uh, I take it Auburn fans are, are celebrating on a on a Wednesday night, on a hump day? I saw some posts on the artist formerly known as Twitter that uh, it, it did indeed confirm that the Oaks had been rolled at Tumor's <laughs> Corner. Not by, not, not as big as, you know, a big Auburn win. It wasn't, you know, a complete wide out situation, but there were some toilet paper rolls hanging from, hanging from those branches of a couple hours ago. Yeah. I, I almost, on one hand, it's like, dude, are you serious? Like we're celebrating. Coach but on the <laughs> other hand, on the other hand, it's the greatest coach of all time. And he's been your permanent in-state rival since 2007. Like no matter how much chaos you've caused in the iron bowl over the last you know decade and a half i think you're allowed if you're out on the plains i think you're allowed to celebrate this i mean it's well, got to feel like the iron curtains lifted right I, I was gonna say on that note guys nick saban went out in his final iron bowl on fourth and 31 he did like that, that's the way he ended his iron bowl legacy so for all that happened and i know that we you know we have our normal intro we have the kick six call in there so i thought that was kind of funny that that slipped yeah. in there Right before, and Johnny Manziel's Heisman moment in Tuscaloosa. And the Heisman moment against Alabama, too. It just I thought it was kind of funny that, you know, we had all that. But, man, Nick Saban, he gets to go out on that miracle of a throw from Milrow, and, and he gets to kind of go out on top like that. I, I feel good about that for Coach. And, and, you know, I feel like there's a chance that if Auburn had ended up winning that game, Saban's back for another year because there's no way he's going out on a loss like that. Well, and it's, it's interesting because until our intro today, I had never noticed – that we had two Alabama losses uh, in that intro. And it's really crazy because it just tells you how iconic it has to be to beat a Nick Saban team, right? That's a testament to his greatness that two of the, you know, big calls that we selected were him going down because that's how seismic it was when he lost. It didn't happen very often, obviously. So when it did, it took a Herculean effort and that's what we get the, you know, amazing calls that come out of that. And I just want to like one more thing on the tumors corner thing. Everybody in the South is rejoicing at this, even if they're not (laughs) because Nick Saban, like Bill Connolly in his article, he kind of had an article putting out just insane numbers. We'll go over some of those later on in the show, but he said it best. His leading sentence in that article, the quote he said for an entire era, Nick Saban completely broke the definition of success in college football. And I think no better way to phrase his impact on the game than that. Well, it's just an insane amount of success that he had. And it drove every other fan base, every other school, every other athletic department, absolutely insane in this part of the country and other parts as well, trying to keep up with that just insane historic run. They went, they drove themselves literally crazy churning through coaches trying to ride his coattails and that that's a legacy that's not going to be met for quite some time 
Well, a lot of questions about where Alabama goes, uh, who comes in to fill the shoes of Nick Saban, and, and what the tide looks like uh, in the post-Nick era. But there is no question about Saban's greatness, what he means to this game. And I mean, you know, you have the Mount Rushmores of athletes and, and coaches to a lesser extent in all sports, uh, but there's no debate. Nick Saban is the greatest college football coach of all time, one of the greatest coaches in sports history, period, end of sentence. Um, and so we're going to we're gonna celebrate that tonight. We're also going to talk about what could be next for the Crimson Tide, the rumors that we're hearing, kind of the latest um, from around the written press. Uh, but as I mentioned earlier, uh, we are on the Transfer Portal CFB feed as well. So I want to give a special hello to any new listeners who might be discovering our show for the first time. Um, we upload now once a week during the off-season, Spotify, Apple, and on YouTube. And uh, we bring you just the the latest in college football news. We br- do breakdowns. We've got a, a big off-season slate coming up. So we would highly encourage you to follow us over on Instagram, on X, at 3TechPod. You can follow us on YouTube as well, making the push to uh, 500 subscribers, I believe, over on YouTube. So we'd love to have you be a part of that. Of course, a big thank you to the good brand Homefield Apparel for sponsoring this episode. All the episodes you can use code 3TechPod for 15% off your entire order. Or if you've shopped with us before, you can go over to our link tree. It's in our Twitter. It's in our Instagram as well. If you use that link, uh, you get the discount. You continue to support our show. Uh, Who else became a forensic accountant on Chris Lowe's Twitter when uh when that news broke like i was going and and trying to make sure that wasn't a troll account like i was examining every you know every character in his uh, in his username uh and i i have a sneaking suspicion that everyone else did just because we knew that there were rumblings of saving retiring i mean my goodness at lunch i was having a conversation with a couple of doctors and that came up uh how Oh, well, it felt kind of like Saban was getting close to retiring, but maybe not. Maybe he's going to hold on for at least another year. Um, And, you know, I don't know exactly why Saban picked this moment to pull the trigger. I don't really want to speculate on our show because there's some rumors that maybe, um, you know, health with Miss Terry could be involved. uh, And and that's not really important anyway. The, The reality is it's happening. And I think we can talk about where Alabama goes from here. But Trey, you pulled the stats on Nick Saban's legacy from a physical standpoint, the record, uh, the, the amount of accolades that he uh, that he accumulated over the last couple of years. I, I'd love you to, to run the listener down just just a handful of some of those kind of pick out your highlights. Yeah, I mean, where do you want to start? Of course, he's. We'll focus on his time at Alabama, kind of tie in a few other ones as well. He's at Alabama from 2007 to 2023. Guys, I'll kind of break down in a second just how insane that is when it comes to other SEC coaches and how many coaches the other schools have churned through in that time period. But seven national titles, six at Bama, one at LSU. That's the most in college football history. 40 of his former assistants went on to become a head coach in some capacity um, 16 straight seasons of winning at least 10 games. Insane. How many programs would kill for just one season of winning 10 games? He hasn't lost more than two games in a season since 2010. And he's coached four Heisman winners and 49, 
first round NFL draft picks. Just absolutely insane. That's a record uh, that may not ever be broken, quite honestly. That's just an insane track record of developing talent for the next level. I'll run through this list of SEC uh, coaches that every other team has had real quick. Mm-hmm. Mississippi State, in the same time that Alabama, since they hired Nick Saban um, in January of 2007, Mississippi State, Arkansas, and Tennessee have had six head coaches. Auburn, AM, Florida, and Vanderbilt have had five. Ole Miss has had four. And LSU, South Carolina, uh, Missouri, and Kentucky have had three. And Georgia is the closest, having just two with Mark Grant and um, Kirby Smart. So the longevity, just the standard of excellence that he set, not all the way at the beginning. Of course, it was a rough year in 2007, but from 2008 on, just you knew what you were going to get from a Nick Saban led team. They're going to be one of the most talented in the country year in and year out, one of the most well-coached teams, most well-disciplined teams in the country. And the results speak for themselves. Just an absolute goat resume. There is no doubt about it. The, the accolades that he's accumulated, I, you know, in my tagline, I made a joke about what year of NCAA 14 is it? You know, we all, if you did the revamped or if you had the, the imported rosters, everybody has a season where Nick Saban retires and Alabama inevitably goes three and nine the next season, right? Uh, I just never really considered getting to this point as soon as I feel like we did. It felt like Saban was going to coach forever. Um, he might, you know, might be in a in a walker out there on the sidelines, and and some of those records, regardless, are, are likely never to be broken. Garrett, when you look at this, like, what what stands out to you, like? if you have to throw a dart at this wheel of improbable, what do you feel like stands out? So for me, I just think the tenure and the track run of success is something that we will never see again. Personally, I don't think that anyone will ever reach this point as a head coach ever again. I think we've already seen the greatest that college football has ever created. And I don't think that anyone will ever come close. Uh, And I want to put it in perspective. I looked back at the same timeline from when he got hired Um, I want to go through a couple of things. The first thing I want to do is I want to compare Georgia, okay, because I still remember being shocked when they let go of Mark Rick because in 2007 when he got hired, Mark Rick went 11-2, and and in the following seasons he goes 10-3, and 8-5, 6-7, 10-4, 12-2, 8-5, 10-3, 9-3, and and gets let go. That's shocking to me. That was an amazing head coach. Obviously, they ended up making the right decision. Kirby Smart is a very good head coach. But it just kind of shows, you know, like what you were saying off the top, Mitch, like Saban broke college football and, and especially in the SEC for a little while where you're looking at this saying, hey, this guy wins 10 games way more than he doesn't. But Saban just doesn't fail to to win 10 games. He just always does. And he's racking up championships. And, and meanwhile, Georgia's sitting there with some barren cupboards and they need to make a move. Right. So that's kind of the first thing. Second thing I wanted to go through and, and just kind of a understanding of how long Saban's been in Alabama reigning in his dynasty. A couple of key things that happened the same year he got hired at Alabama. I wanted to let y'all react to this. Some of the top songs from that year were Irreplaceable by Beyonce, Umbrella Mm. by Rihanna, Buy You a Drink by T-Pain, Hey There Delilah by The Plain White Tees, Fergalicious by Fergie, and Crank That by Soulja Boy. All of those songs came out after Alabama Hired Nick Saban. A couple great of the top audience playlists right there. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, that's that's a great that's a great playlist. A couple of movies from that year: Transformers, 
The Bourne Ultimatum, I Am Legend, Spider-Man 3, Pirates of the Caribbean, At World's End, 300, and the fifth Harry Potter movie all came out that year. Oh my gosh. A couple other notable things. He was hired just a couple of weeks before Peyton Manning won his first Super Bowl. And the iPhone came out after Nick Saban oh. was hired at Alabama. When Nick Saban was hired, zero people owned an iPhone. So That's if you just want some kind of perspective of how long he's been at Bama, how long it's been since they've had a coaching change, how long it's been since you know they've had to think about uh, you know a world without Nick Saban, that's kind of how long we've been living in this world. So if, if that kind of gives you some perspective on this guy's run and this guy's legacy and why I don't think he'll ever be matched, that's probably as good of a list to kind of wrap it up in terms of real time in the real world. Yeah, take take that Apple. The the, the immortal is uh is over on Alabama's side. Uh, I mean, that feels like we're just like unlocking a time capsule there. I mean, some of those songs, some of those songs haven't been played on my playlist in a while. Maybe that's just because I need to return to the glory days. I don't know. Um, but uh, wow. In, in the funny thing is, you know, we went and pulled up the final BCS rankings from 2007 as well. Um, of course, that's a year that most college football fans are very familiar with a chaotic scene, a beautifully chaotic year. Um, LSU obviously ends uh, number one. You have USC that's that's stalking around. Missouri was one loss in the final week of the regular season from having a chance to play for it all. Um, you had West Virginia up there, Kansas. That was the last time that they won a New Year's Six Bowl game when they went 12-1. and one. Boston College was up there. You had both Virginia schools. Ranked and of course the juice was loose, uh, leading Illinois to uh, to the promised land. Yeah, it just a who's who of you know teams that have not been maybe not been relevant since then or had a long stretch of irrelevancy between then and ironically Alabama that was the last year they were not relevant right. Saban's first year was yeah. one to forget and obviously he was dealing with a lot of issues left over from I believe Dan Shula's regime. Uh, or Mike Shula, excuse me, uh, his regime really left that cupboard bare for him. He did his best, but he even lost to ULM in that first 2007 season famously. 2008, it was all over. That recruiting class changed the game for him, and it was you know just leaving everyone else in the dust after that. It, it was impressive how quickly he was able to to turn things around. And you know, I was as I was driving home, one interesting point that. Um, the commentators on Sirius XM made Alabama was not, you know, we, we just think of Alabama as this coveted job, right? Like now it's the pinnacle of the sport. Whoever walks in and takes over is taking over a championship caliber program. We'll see about what happens with the rosters. They now have a, a 30 day transfer window that opens up. They had a bunch of guys leave. Um, in the first portal window, now they've got this extended window. I think a lot of it will depend on who comes in to be the next head coach of the Tide. But one of the things that I was reminded of is in 2007, a lot of the issues that we talk about with the, the Texases of the world over the last several years, Ohio State, is you had too many cooks in the kitchen. The boosters really ran that that program, and it was 
to the program's detriment, right? You have too many voices, you have too many, um, you know, competing priorities, and the coaching staff just was not able to get the job done. Nick Saban comes in and puts his fist, you know, pounds his fist on the table and says, this program is going to be run my way. We will not have any of that. And he forever not only changed the culture at Alabama, but I think he changed winning culture in college football. So often the best programs, yes, are well-funded and well-connected, but at the end of the day, the head coach has to be able to shut the doors on his program, push everybody that is not on scholarship or on the coaching staff out and focus on what happens uh, on the gridiron. And, and Nick Saban did that better than anyone ever has in college football history. Well, and the other big thing that he did was really turn their recruiting around because before he got there, you know, their recruiting, it's not awful. It's in the teens. It's in, you know, the twenties in terms of class rankings. That's the early days of the composite rankings, but that 2008 class that changed everything in the same class, he brought in Mark Ingram, Heisman Trophy winner, uh, Julio Jones, Dante Hightower, Barrett Jones, one of the guys that just anchored that offensive line forever. So just star after star after star. I think it was a third-ranked class that year, but it completely changed the game in terms of bringing NFL-level talent. Like we said, 49 first-round draft picks that he eventually recruited, not just at Alabama, but in his whole coaching career. Most of those coming to the Crimson Tide and just constantly having a brevy of those guys on his team at the same time just just makes you hard to beat. So as good as he was on the field, as good as he was at getting his teams ready to play week in and week out, even with the target on their back every single week, the, the recruiting and the roster management and the just talent evaluation to get his guys, not just any five-star, but guys that will buy into his program and way of doing things, just almost as impressive, if not more impressive to me. Well, and Trey, you're talking about recruiting, but also just like player development, right? I mean, these yeah. are, we've seen so many people finish with, you know, a top class or a top three or a top five or something close to the top. But the guys that you're listing, like these guys going off to the NFL, having successful seasons, successful careers, like that, that speaks to a lot of the development that he did. And that even with his first class, he was able to nail not just the evaluations, but then get the most out of those players turning, you know, Mark Ingram into a Heisman winner. Like that's, that goes a long way to show, you know, yes, and a fantastic recruiter, but also just getting the most out of his players and, and doing the work to develop them and, you know, putting them in the best position to succeed. Right. It's, it's just kind of amazing that you can roll it all into one. Uh, honestly, I, I had the same thought when I was looking at the, uh, their, I think their AD or somebody came out and, um, made kind of a statement about how they were going to go about the coaching search. And when you look at like what they're looking for, he's like, we're going to look for a guy who's great at X's and O's and can recruit and develop players and good at relationships. I'm like, Oh, so just, you know, you want an all around good coach. It read like somebody who hadn't had to make a recruiting hire since, you know, the iPhone was invented. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm I just, I kind of looked at that and I'm like, yeah, cause you can't expect to get that out of anybody, you know, save Saban and maybe a few others. He's the total package. He did it all at the highest level. Well, what I think it's still Greg Byrne, right? Greg Byrne's athletic director at Alabama. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What he didn't tell you is there's been some research going on in the genetics labs at Alabama, and uh, they actually have some cloning programs that are going on. So he's really hoping 
that he can get that going before he has to make any other uh, public comments. But it's like Star Wars, somehow Nick Saban returned. Right, yeah, Saban. Saban's gonna be stalking the sidelines and like the the Sith cape, uh, right. just just continuing to feed off <laughs> the opponent's life force. Stronger. Uh, you know, so we want to get into who the possible candidates are for Nick Saban. Right before we hit record, I saw a clip from uh, Josh Pate over at Lake Kick. He said that most of these outlets are telling you Alabama is gearing up for this coaching search, right? Like dust off, indeed. We gotta we gotta start collecting some resumes. He said that Alabama is on the verge of making this this head coach uh, hiring, which you know certainly makes sense. I don't think Saban's retiring would take anybody uh, by surprise. I don't feel like he would be uh, you know someone to just walk out the door on the Crimson Tide for for all that they've they've done for each other. Um, so with that in mind, with a maybe imminent head coach hiring. Uh, maybe as soon as this episode goes out, who who knows? We're recording this, like I said, on Wednesday night, January the 10th. Uh, we'll see if maybe Alabama has a new man in place by the end of the weekend. Uh, official visits are are certainly in progress for not only you know, transfer portal guys, but also the 2025 class. And uh, Alabama has to get this right. Otherwise, they you know could risk slipping and falling. We already had five-star wide receiver Ryan Williams announced that he's decommitting. He's no longer going to be um, going to Alabama. And so in this era of transfer portal and, and, you know, recruits that flip on because the wind changed, Alabama not only has to get this done quickly, but they have to get it done right with a guy who's going to keep that roster intact, continue to recruit and, and keep what Saban has started alive. There are five names, five big names that kind of jump out to me based off of a lot of the articles that have been written. And, um, you know, we were talking with the walk on red shirts, um, you know, our uh, good friends over. um, They do their own college football podcast. And the five names that I pulled out of their article uh, were Dan Lanning, Steve Sarkeesian, Lane Kiffin, Dabo Sweeney and Ryan Day. Now, they had a couple of other names in there as well. But as I looked at this list. This this reads as a who's who, right? Everyone on this list is is doing at least uh, above average, right? You can say what you will about Dabo Sweeney, um, but it seems like Alabama is teed up to just keep keep the progress in this machine rolling on the tracks. Garrett, when you look at this list, is there a name that jumps out to you as maybe your personal pick if you are the athletic director at Alabama? Well, you know, the first name that you have to cross off, I think, based on the way that the fans perceive it, is Dabo Sweeney, because I, I don't know if y'all saw, but there were fans out front at, at Alabama chanting anyone but Dabo. And so if you That's just want to... guy. Pull, he went to Alabama. He's an Alabama man. What a like, lot of see what Arbaugh just did at Michigan? I, I mean, look, I guess you could say that. Um, no, I think, honestly, if it's me... I'm calling one of those top two guys on the list, Dan Lanning or Steve Sarkeesian. Um, I, I like the Lane Kiffin idea. I just don't think he's reliable enough. Um, and right now, if you're looking at programs that have been built fairly quickly in the last couple of years, have great identities and, and you know know what they're doing, you could go with either Lanning or Sarkeesian and you make a, a home run higher. I do think that this is kind of an impossible to get right decision though, right? It's, it's, how do you replace Nick Saban? Clearly you don't like you can make a good hire and you can hire a guy who can keep you 
relevant and, and maybe even prominent. And But, I mean, are you really going to be able to hire a guy to replace him? It's, it's like when when Michael Jordan retired and you go out and you say, who are we going to you know bring in to replace Michael Jordan? I don't care who you bring in. I don't care who you can sign, who you can trade for, who you can draft. You're not replacing Michael Jordan. The Patriots couldn't replace Tom Brady. And I don't think Alabama is going to be able to replace Nick Saban. And, and so when I look at this, I think Lanning or Sarkeesian, really good options. But I think, unfortunately, you're going to have to kind of war against some of those head coaches' ideas of, well, I have a good situation at a prominent school, right? Oregon and Texas, two prominent programs, both set up in major conferences, ready to succeed. How are you going to sway them away from their situation to a place that can only really be disappointed with them? especially in the early going, right? Like if Steve Sarkeesian takes the job and he shows up and he wins 10 games and he, you know, maybe barely makes the playoffs. Are Alabama fans really happy with that? I, I don't think so. And meanwhile, if next year he goes 10 and two at Texas and makes the playoff of Texas, I think they're thrilled to be back and to, you know, be in the playoff again, hunting for another title. So I think similar situation to landing in Oregon. I, I don't know who you can kind of sway away at this point from a really good situation as opposed to, you know, maybe a guy like Ryan day where maybe the welcomes wearing a little thin or, you know, maybe like a, you know, you could go with Elaine Kiffin who, you know, he, he's, it looks like he's got a foot out the door from Ole Miss every off season. So I know he will throw his name in the hat for, for he, that job. He will throw his name in the hat. I, I, I don't know. I don't know how you sway either of those top guys, even though they would be my ideal pick. Well, so Trey, that's an interesting point because Oregon has a weird history of building up, getting getting success, getting to the doorstep of winning a national championship, having a lot of momentum on the recruiting trail, and then the head coach leaves, right? Uh, Chip Kelly, Willie Taggart, um, you know, come come to mind. Mario Cristobal, obviously, most recently. Is there something with Oregon that? you think uh, maybe guys see it truly as a stepping stone or do you throw all of that out the window and say, guys, it's Alabama, man. Like if Dan Lanning gets offered the job, which I have no doubt that that phone call has been made, he's, he's got to take it right. Yeah. I mean, these guys leaving Oregon aren't leaving for lateral moves historically. Right. I know Miami hasn't been the best program, but the allure of the U and, Cristobal going home and, you know, all these things, Willie Taggart leaving for Florida state, a historical power program. Uh, if Dan Lanning leaves, it'd be for Alabama, the greatest program of all time. Right. So it's not really something I think is, I don't think it's an Oregon problem necessarily. I think Oregon has a ton of things that can attract great coaches and keep them, but they're just losing them to the best of the best, right? Chip Kelly going to the NFL like that. That's just not a lateral move from Eugene, Oregon. So I, it has to be frustrating if you're an Oregon duck fan to see, keep getting these really solid coaches and keep getting them plucked away time and time again. And honestly, we haven't really seen a coach leave Oregon and be as successful as they were up in the Pacific Northwest, whether it's, going to a different, more challenging schedule or going up to the NFL like Chip Kelly. Um, we haven't really seen that be successful. And I know Chip Kelly had other reasons where he left the college game, but we haven't really seen them be successful after leaving Eugene. So maybe Dan Lanning looks at the history 
and says, you know what? I, I have a good thing going here. I'm going into the Big Ten. We, we just really don't know how he feels about all that, right? He hasn't really yeah. been public about that. Guys, I have a name for you, and I haven't necessarily seen it thrown around a ton, and I don't know how realistic this would be for Alabama, but where did they pull uh, Nick Saban from last time? Uh, from Michigan State? No, they pulled him from the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, oh, you're right. He's right. been at LSU. What if they go to the NFL again and get Alabama man D'Amico Ryans, the current head coach of the Houston Texans, hey, who in his first year with a rookie quarterback and a roster that everybody thought was going to be fighting for the first overall pick in the draft, got them to the AFC South Championship and hosting a playoff game this weekend. It would be an interesting move, right? It would certainly be one that's mostly under the radar. I think the only place that I saw Ryan's name thrown out was the walk-on uh, red shirts uh, um, article. That would be a fascinating narrative because he's obviously a player's coach. He was well-liked uh, as soon as he got into that locker room. It was a popular choice. Did a great with job as a defensive coordinator in San Francisco. Um, yeah, amazing job calling the defense, uh, and, and obviously had a, a ton of initial success. Now, the only thing that I I wonder about is now that this game has changed so much with the portal, with the um, you know increase in all the drama around recruiting, like if you're succeeding at the NFL level, I don't know that you're, you see many guys going back to college as opposed to like Jim Harbaugh, who may be working his way out of college to the NFL where he's not having to do all the day-to-day. -day. Yeah, Trey, I'm not going to lie. When you mentioned the Dolphins, I thought you were going to say they should hire Mike McDaniel, and I was like, there's I wouldn't something... hate that either, I did too. man. I, I did too. I, I, there's something about hilarious him. about thinking of him running the Alabama program after what they just oh, the, had with Nick Saban. The press just conferences the, would be amazing. The culture shift in a complete 180. Uh, but also, you know, Mitch, you kind of, you know, hinted at it. You know who's got to be just pissed right now? Our Michigan fans, because if Harbaugh really leaves, they're no longer even close to the most desirable job anymore, despite the fact that they are the winningest program and they just won the national championship. You would think that would make for something, but the infrastructure, everything built up at Alabama right now, I, I, you have to think that that's probably the most desirable job on the market. Well, the difference between Michigan and Alabama, too, if Harbaugh does leave, which you got to think it's going to be postponed by at least a week now so he can have his own, sure. you know, his own He's got to have his moment. Exactly. Not <laughs> his moment. own parade. Exactly. Uh, but they kind of have an heir apparent up in Ann Arbor, right? I think Sharon Moore kind of got the audition sure. this year. And if Harbaugh does leave, they kind of have that easy, can just keep the band together, right? Higher in Sharon Moore. Alabama does not have that on their, on their current staff. Kevin Steele, the defensive coordinator, announced this week that he's leaving. I don't think you'd want to put him in charge of the program anyways. You certainly don't want to put Tommy Reese in charge of the <laughs> Alabama program. What do you mean? I mean, <laughs> you saw what he did with the offense this year, and I, I don't think that you want to trust the entire entirety of the program to Tommy Reese. But I could be wrong. Maybe that's who Nick Saban is you know, appointed as the heir apparent. But it, 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 they just don't have that guy on their current staff. And you think about all the guys that have left the staff. If this, if he leaves five years ago, you know, maybe you're appointing Lane Kiffin, or you're appointing Steve yeah. Sarkeesian, or you're appointing 
you know, any number of these 40 guys that have been his assistants and gone on to be head coaches, but they just don't seem to have that guy on the staff right now. So it's going to have to be an outside hire and it's going to be fascinating to see where they go. I wonder, so as I look down that list, I, I think Dan Lanning is probably the guy that I would prefer to come in, uh, continue to build up an elite defense, you know, kind of off offshore the offense and, and bring in an offensive coordinator who's going to run that show. But, uh, you know, defense truly still does win championships. Um, and I think that is um, as consistent as you can can get for a theme in college football. Lane Kiffin, we talked about him a, a little bit as we introduced the topic, and it's been fascinating because, to me, all of his uh, social media um, propaganda to you know love and support the Tide. Oh my gosh, Nick Saban's number one fan, even though he's over in Oxford. It does make a lot of sense if Alabama were to go and extend Lane Kiffin an offer, except for the fact that Alabama, since Nick Saban came in and revamped that program and established a new culture, a new standard, Kiffin is kind of the anti-Saban personality-wise, which, despite the on-field success, makes me think that that would prevent Alabama from going out and, and offering what would be a successful hire on the field. It might prevent them from offering Kiffin that job. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. I don't know, I don't know what kind of bridges Lane burned from the time that he was in Tuscaloosa, right? Like, I think a lot of people, if I'm remembering correctly, he jumped straight from Alabama offensive coordinator to FAU head coach, and I remember that yes. being kind of surprising to people at the time that he would opt to bolt for FAU rather than holding out for a bigger head coaching job. But I. I remember some commentary at the time that it may or may not have, uh, he may or may not have been invited back. So I don't know how realistic that is. Garrett, uh, busy working Twitter right now. He just wrote to us in our group chat, local media saying that Lanning is currently in, in T-Town in Tuscaloosa. It it would make sense. It, it would make a lot of sense. I think, you know, Has anyone uh, checked flight aware. Well, that's no, so that's there, a good. There was a flight that was confirmed from Eugene to Tuscaloosa, and then it got taken off of the public thing. So ah. there was that, and then um, there's a lot of people. I was just trying to look because I'd seen it on Twitter over here, and um, apparently Dan Lanning delayed some team meetings tomorrow by a couple of hours. Um, there's you know reports that he's already in Tuscaloosa. Um, it's KVAL news is the one who's basically saying this, this is Eugene local television saying that landing is already in Tuscaloosa. So <laughs> yeah. KVAL news hark here, hear this. Our head coach is turning, turning traitor. Um, yeah, they, they said this on their news broadcast tonight. There's a, there's a recording of it, a, a really low quality recording of it. You know, someone's recording their TV, <laughs> but yeah, KVAL 13, in Eugene saying that Dan Lanning is already in Tuscaloosa. So, Hey, listen, Twitter, we might already has, have our answer. <laughs> Twitter has run with stories, uh, based on far less evidence and it's incredible reporting. So, um, I guess watch, watch this space. Um, last thing that I kind of wanted to say from this, this top five and, and, and really just to throw out the idea, whether it's realistic or not, is Ryan day 
the type of head coach that could be considered for an Alabama, for a Michigan, and, and I'm not saying Michigan, that he would make that jump from Ohio State to that school up north, but is he on the level of these other four, or do you almost feel like, yeah, that would be settling? I'm not going to lie. I kind of feel like if it was announced that Bama was going to hire Ryan Day, the Alabama faithful would Mark Stoops the crap out of Ryan Day and just send him back. <laughs> I just kind of have the feeling that that would be nothing even close to acceptable. That so. would be sick. And I don't think yeah. that means that he would do a bad job necessarily. No, I think he'd be just fine, but I yeah, don't think Bama I, I totally, fans would like him at all. <laughs> I totally agree with that, and I also think the initial reaction around the SEC would be rejoicing. I don't think that would be the correct reaction, but right, it would be the reaction. Alabama would still get to the playoff every year. They just probably wouldn't win anything, right? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe, Maybe lose yeah. to Auburn every single year, too. Yeah. I think that's a good point. Start losing to their rival often because that seems to be a pattern for Ryan Day. I, I feel bad for Ryan Day. I mean, the dude has three losses, uh, now four, I guess, technically, in his career. And, you know, they're all too... Well, they're they're to elite pro an elite program, and then Missouri, who's quickly approaching maybe top top twelve status, right? With what Eli Drinkwitz is is doing over there, the guy is being slandered left, right, and center. And listen, I don't think he's an elite coach. I think he's got everything going in his favor, but he's still good. He's you know he would not be a a step a, a big step down from Saban. If if Saban is a plus, I feel like Ryan Day is you know, a minus, right? Like he's yeah. in, he's, he's a he's midnight in a field goal away from winning a natty last year. He's a midnight he field goal away from winning a natty. That's right. But I think 90 to 90% of programs would be thrilled to hire Ryan day. Not Alabama though. That's, that's not one of those programs on that list. We, we haven't talked about the guy, the, the clear choice, uh, according to, I, I would say many people on the internet, Terry Bowden should should be taken over at Alabama. <laughs> Please. The 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 memes that would ensue uh would, would hey, just be amazing. Pete Carroll's available too. He he, he recently stepped down from the Seahawks. Yeah. So. Well, Maybe stepped out of head coaching, right? Like he's supposed to take an advisor role. At least that's what I read earlier today, but he is available. Uh yeah. he's not a head coach anymore. I, that would be isn't Carroll really old too? Isn't he in his seventies? Yeah, he's in his seventies. Yeah, so maybe maybe a how you uh, how do you do, fellow kids? Moment if if Pete Carroll <laughs> were to come back into the game. Um. Well, fellas, should we should we wrap it there? Any final thoughts before we we get out of here? All I've got to say is whoever takes this job is taking on just an unconsciousable burden, right? Of being the guy to follow, the guy, the go guy. And it, that just doesn't often work out well. And, you know, people forget that Nick, uh, that Alabama before Nick Saban had some dark down years between, uh, between Bear Bryant and Nick Saban, one national title. And uh, I have the years pulled up. That was 1982 to 2007, one national title. I know a lot of programs would kill for one national title in like a, 20 year stretch. Yeah. Us right here down in Southeast Texas would really kill for that, but that's way below the Alabama standard. And that one national title was an outlier of a season in those years. So it's not a guarantee that they get this right. 
it, it all signs point to them having the you know stuff in place, but this could truly be if they get this wrong, this could truly be a seismic shift in the power dynamics of college football and something that quite frankly, like our generation has never seen. Yeah, and really my last thing to say on this is whoever's taking this job, the whole born on third base, I don't even think fits it. You're born steps from home plate. Just remember how to slide, <laughs> right? You, at this point, you almost can't mess up the Alabama program. For two years. For two yeah, years. I mean, You're one recruiting class away from it all going away, though. No, yeah. I mean, and, and you know, a couple of bad coaching decisions, blow a couple of games. It could be a problem. Um, I also I want to close with this kind of funny prediction here from Robert Barron's on Twitter. Uh, he says, Dan Lane will go to Alabama to fill the hole. Oregon would then hire Lane Kiffin. Okay, Ole Miss would then hire Jed Fish to fill that hole. Arizona hires Jamie Chadwell away, and Liberty fills their position with Jimbo Fisher. Oh, my word. That and I just be... think that's the funniest outcome, and I'm officially rooting for it. That That is one thing we didn't really touch on, is we're about to get, you know, in, in our show notes, or I guess in our Google Drive, we did one coaching carousel episode, and we left room for a part two it really felt like we weren't going to need a part two, but I think after this hire, especially if it's one of these elites, like a Dan Lanning, you're absolutely going to need a part two to break it all down. Well, and if the Michigan job comes open as well, I mean, that's another huge program, national championship, right? So you're looking at two massive programs coming open at the same time in the same off season you could be looking at some serious ramifications across the coaching world and, and, you know, they'll be pulling from big programs. So then other big programs will have to fill those spots and it'll all trickle down from there. So, you know, really interesting to see how this ends up working out. And I I think it's going to be some, some, some kind of a wild ride and some really fun times ahead for us. So I'm, I'm excited to break that down with y'all. Hey, the off season continues to give us content. We will take that for as long as it wants to hand it over. Uh, again, we are doing one episode a week now through the off season, but of course you can find uh, more regular content over on our YouTube channel as well. Interact with us on Instagram and on X at three tech pod. And, uh, we would love to keep the conversation rolling with you. We will continue to, to monitor this. Um, I'm sure we'll have another episode when Alabama does make a head coaching hire. Uh, our next episode is scheduled, I believe to go live on Monday. So um, we won't have like another live episode before then. But uh, if we get to react to that on Monday morning's episode, great. If not, we will talk to you uh, at a later date. But for Trey Reeves and Garrett Turney, I'm Mitch Mason. Thanks so much for hanging with us. Until next time, so long, everybody. Gracious, yeah. how about that?